Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity you've given us today to connect with each other and with you. Help us not just to be able to understand uh, the message that you have for us, but we be able to celebrate the transformation you're going to do in our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. All right. You can be seated. Thank you very much. I'm going to move my podium. We've had a, a good grip, uh, good grip. We've had a good week together. And this morning, we're going to celebrate the fact we're going to have uh, one baptism this morning and several this afternoon. So we're going to celebrate Jesus this morning. I'm going to preach. And then we're going to have this baptism and go and eat some great lasagna together. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. The message for today is called, Get Out. Our passage is found in Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 to 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along he has given me a new song to sing a hymn of praise to our God many will see what he has done and be amazed they will put their trust in the Lord get out is the message for this morning get out this is a this is a, a text that has great news and really terrible news. This is a person that he self-describes his condition. He says, I am in a pit of despair. I don't know if there's other pits, right? I don't know if there's a great pit, a fantastic pit, but this, this particular pit is a pit of despair. And by him living in the pit, he experiences four things. I'm going to talk to you about this pit and how to get out. Two things this morning. One, how do we get in this pit of despair? And number two, and more importantly, how to get out. What is the pit? A pit is a moment in your life where you feel unable, unstable, unclean, and unclear. Would you say those things with me? What's the first, what's the first thing that you feel when you're in the pit? You feel what? Unable. Let's go. Let's take him one by one. Unable. Unable. The first one is unable. I'm unable. It's it's like he he he's in a place where there's uh it's uh, it's impossible for him to get out. And 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 you know that that when you're in quicksand, the more you try to get out, the more you go eat in. It's a it's a place in your life where you feel unable. I can't stop doing this. It's impossible that I can let this go. I, I can't forget him. I can't 
give up on that habit. I feel that it's impossible to me to make the changes that I know I need to live a better life. I feel unable. What's the second one? Feels what? Unstable. You can say it aloud. It's fine. We can make friends with the person next to you. A person, it feels unstable. In other words, it's quicksand. You, 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 you don't really know what, what's happening in your life. It's a lot of ups and downs. It's a lot of great days with a lot of bad days. And people around you take the brunt of it because some days you're like happy. Hey, everything is fine. And on other days you're like, some days you're great and amazing. And other days you're, some days you greet people with a smile, but other days you're really upset for no reason. And you don't even understand yourself. Number one, unable. This is, this is, this is what, what David is describing in this pit. People that live in the pit have four specific ways of living. Number one, they feel unable. Number two, they feel unstable. What's the third one? They feel what? Unclean. They unclean. In other words, they, they're like, man, I, I think I'm disappointing God with my behavior. I'm disappointing the people that I love the most. Like, I promised some things and it's not coming true. I, I want to do better, but I just can't do better. I'm overwhelmed my, by my bad decisions. Number three, unclean, unable, unstable, unclean. And what's the last one? Unclear. You, know, you have no idea what's, what's, what's coming up next. Because when you're in a hole, it's really hard to see the horizon. All you know is the four walls of mud around you that some of you have decorated and put like pictures of dogs playing pool in this hole that you live in, in this pit. It's hard for you when somebody asks you, so what do you think you're going to be doing in five years? You're like, I, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to be successful. And what, 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 are, what are your plans for the next five? Where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? For somebody who's living in the pit, anything after tomorrow is uncertain. As I've described this to you, is this a fun way to live? But it's more common than you think. So two things this morning. Number one, why is it that we are unable, unstable, unclear, and unclean. Why is it that that happens in people's lives? How did you get to here? And then how to get out. Let's jump in these two. Number one, why are you in the pit? Okay, why are you in the pit? If you are walking next to a huge hole, I was reading yesterday in tw on Twitter that um, I live in Atlanta, and we usually don't get sinkholes in Atlanta. But there's a sinkhole in 285, which is a, it's called Spaghetti Junction. Anybody been to Atlanta? Don't. We don't need more people. <laughs> Spaghetti Junction, 285. Atlanta's traffic is crazy. Number one, the traffic is crazy. And number two, the drivers are crazy. People don't know how to drive in Atlanta. I don't know how it is in Greensboro, but people do not know how to drive in Atlanta. There is always a crash at the worst time. You can be like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, everything is flowing right. You can, go, you can be like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a traffic for 5 miles. It's crazy. You can't predict it. 
And in this 285, which is already congested, there's a sinkhole. If you're going by a sinkhole and you see somebody in the bottom of this pit, there are only two ways that person can, can get there. Only two possible explanations. Number one, somebody pushed him in. Somebody pushed him in. They were looking at the hole. Somebody grabbed them and said, yeah, there you go. Psalms 119.85 says, These arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug what kind of pits? You see it? What kind of? It's deep pits. To what? Trap me. If right now you feel depressed, discouraged, if right now you feel that your life is not where it wants it to be, And I, I, it's interesting that I talk to people who are 25 and 55. And, and in both conversations, I hear the same thing. I just feel that I've lost many opportunities. I've had conversations with 23-year-olds. They said, man, I've missed so much already. You're like, 23, I just laugh internally. I have my pastoral face out, outwards, but I laugh like, 23, boy. <laughs> I have shirts that are older than you. <laughs> I have conversations with 23-year-olds and 33-year-olds and 53-year-olds. They say, life has passed me by. I don't like the decisions that I've made. I feel that I have made too many mistakes. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I am unable to change some things. I've tried, but I just can't do it. My life is unstable right now. Do I want to be in this church? Do I want to be in that church? Do I want to be dating this person? Do I want to be single? Do I want to be in a relationship? Do I want to be married? Do I want to live here? Do I want to move to Atlanta? Don't. Do I, do I want to go? Do, do I want this job? Do I want another job? Do I want to go back to school? And just all these questions. And what happens is when you are in a pit and you're always wondering about what if, you're always thinking that what you should have chosen was better than what you have chosen. You're in the pit and you can't look past what's happening today and you look at your life and you say, man, I don't like this. The reason you are like that is only two possible explanations. Number one, somebody put you in that pit. The reason you have emotional problems right now is because of what happened in your childhood. And you can go specifically to moments And you can sense the smells and the screams. And you, re you, have, you have images in, imprinted in your mind about those moments that were tragic. You remember those times, exactly what happened. And you say, well, I am the way I am. And I am an untrusty. Un I don't trust people. Because, like I've trusted before, and they really take advantage of me. Like I really love somebody, but they did, not, they did not love me back. You are where you are financially because somebody stole your money. Somebody pushed you in. You went into this business deal with somebody. Man, it looked good on paper. But you put all your life savings into it, and all of a sudden, it's just a money pit. You are in the hole with the money. It's gone. Your life savings. You are in the pit that you are right now because somebody pushed you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody stole away your innocence. 
you were thrown in this dig this this deep pits they tricked you in they put you close to the hole and they push you that's one explanation you are how you are right now because of what has happened in your life nevertheless you're in the pit some of you have pushed have been pushed into that pit since you were born because you were born in a pit this is all you know your last family name is pits this you were born in a, in a pit that like your family in your family's family and your mother and your mother's mother and your father and your father's father this like all these generations of pit dwelling people and you were born in the pit and you say this is normal like isn't everybody doesn't everybody when it rains get all muddy isn't isn't this what happens to everybody isn't isn't what happens to everybody to wake up in the morning not wanting to live isn't isn't this like a normal thing this is what happens like you live paycheck to paycheck and you're like eating your nails like, i need to get paid again I'm, i don't know if i'm gonna make it this month isn't how, isn't that how most people live not really understanding and experiencing deep love and affection you're there because somebody threw you in or number two if you're going by 285 once again don't if you're going by 285 in atlanta and you see the pit in the side of the road this really sink big sinkhole and there's somebody underneath and they're going like this to you right and they have patio furniture in their pit and they're going hi there's only two reasons why that person is there number one they were thrown in on number two what's the other option huh the other option is you jumped in i would submit to you that i mean i don't know your life i don't know your situation and i i don't know why it is that you feel like you're in a pit uh, but i will tell you that more more people are in the pit that they would like to admit because of number two than number one it's much easier to blame somebody about what's happening in our life it's the person i live with it's my upbringing it's the fact that i just it's, my boss just doesn't like me i just it just it's just the pool of available bachelors in greensboro is not that good like i want somebody that has characteristics i cannot find around here like everybody that talks to me Uh, does not have teeth and I want somebody who has teeth like it's a small detail to ask for but I want them to have their own teeth and I don't know why the people that want to talk to me it's just it's just not available and the, the teeth having people are already married or have other relationships and I I it's easier to say it's the it's the pool I can't can't find somebody is the decisions that other people have made for me but if you're honest with yourself there are some pits that we've jumped in everybody told you don't date the person your best friend said don't date him you're just a hater your parents said don't date him even your uncle with the gold tooth said don't date him your pastor said don't date him but you said love can change anything and you looked at the pits And you put on your speedos and you jumped in. 
And now you're in the pit with the muddy water. And you're like, why, God? Why do you do this to me? Where are you? And God is saying, hold up. You did, you did this to yourself. It's a decision that you made. You've invested into it. You decided to move without having assurances about the job you were going to make. You, you're the one that made that decision about the relationship, the financial situation, or that career. You're the one that, that did this. You're the one that had a friend that you knew were going to get you in trouble. You knew it. But I just want to jump. I just want to see how the water is down there in that pit. I wonder how it is. I mean, never lived in one, so just. It's interesting how the Bible describes pits. It's interesting. It says evil people are trapped. That's what happens. You get trapped. And now you're trapped. Now there's a baby on the way. And you feel trapped. Like, I can't get away from this job that I have right now. Or this person, I can't just really close the door. Because I, I depend on them for, for my survival. You feel like you're trapped. It's not a, not a good way to, to feel. So, when you feel unable, unstable, unclean, and unclear, in that pit, there's only two ways. And if you're honest with yourself... Some of the reasons that we're in there is because somebody pushed us, but more importantly, we dove in. We did that like the Olympics. I find it a little amusing when I have conversations with people and they say, I live with zero regrets. The person that said that lives with zero regrets does not know the impact their actions have had on other people. It's good sometimes to, take, sometimes to take analysis of what's happened in your life. Take stock of your mistakes and, and own them. Say, yep, I made this mess. God's going to help me clean it, but I made it. Hard to look in the, in the mirror and say, yeah, things are the way I am because of me. I've counseled couples for 30 years. My wife and I have a We have a program on, on, uh, on YouTube that we, we talk about relationships. And all kinds of emails come, and we, we, talk, we talk to couples. I've talked to couples for 30 years. It's very interesting talking to couples. I, I sit them down, and I said, all right, you start, and you tell me what you think is wrong, and then you go. I am never in 30 years, maybe the next conversation I have is going to be this conversation but I've never had a conversation with somebody who says listen pastor we're here because of me I'm the problem this woman that I married she's an angel and so is her mom they're both angels I don't know why they're not in heaven right now I'm the one who's messing this up it's me I take full responsibility she's not even 5% responsible I am the one Tell me, what do I need to change? How can I get better? Help me, Pastor. Please give me some tips. Help me out of this pit. I've dug for myself. I dug it, and then I jumped in it. Get me out. Help me. I've never had that in 30 years. Don't you think that's odd? Maybe I'm not talking to the right people. 
but it's just the cons it's consistently over and 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 over. It's the same thing. Somebody else is responsible for what I've done. It's always like this, man. I've tried, but it's really impossible living with this woman. Both her and her mom. It's like it's the same person twice. Like, what did I do this to this? What did I do to deserve this situation? This he never brings flowers. He's just walking around the house all day, demanding stuff. He's not romantic. He's not romantic. Not a good provider. Spends too much money. Doesn't spend enough money. It's always somebody else's fault. Now, regardless of where or whether somebody threw you in or you got pushed in, the fact is now you're in this pit. So how do we get out? Because I don't think God created you to live in pits. God did not create you to live in a hole. God did not create you to be a little mouse or a little snake. He created you to be an eagle. Eagles don't live in pits. So how do we get out? What are the consequences of living in a pit? Once again, let's just review. You feel unable, unstable, unclean, and unclear. I find this, this, uh, this passage in Luke chapter 8 and verse 31 very interesting. Let me see. Uh, the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. It's interesting that the pit is a place so bad, demons don't want to go there. But you've decorated yours. Look at me. Look at my pit. Hey, hey. I know it's messed up when it rains, but, but look. Look at what I've done about it. Look, look, look what I've done to the place. And sometimes we just settle because the pit has been so bad and we lived there for so long that we think that's our lot for life. I'm just condemned to be single for the rest of my life. This is just me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going to find somebody who loves me. This is just me. I'm just going to settle that I'm going to be poor the rest of my life. I'm not going to make good decisions. I'm just going to be overweight. That's just going to be me. It's just going to be, it's my life. It's my life. It's my pit, right? Deal with it. That place is so bad, demons say, please don't take me there. So how do we get out? How do we get out? That's a good question for today. How do we get out? Three C's. And then we'll rejoice by somebody who said today, I want to follow Jesus because he's the only one that can get me out of that pit. How do we get out? Number one is call. Call. Everybody say call. 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 Okay, this, this, loud, this, this, part of it, this part of the church over here is very, this part of it, we've got to pray for this part over here. <laughs> First one is what? Call. call. Psalms 34, 17 says, The Lord hears his people. Just right there. If you put a period after his people, that would be a great text. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from most of their troubles. Amen. What in the world? Call. It's the first thing. You have to recognize you can't get out of this. Last night we talked about frogs. How it's impossible to clean all the frogs from your life. Just like that, the same principle applies here. The first step is to recognize you need a power higher than yourself to help you get out of where the mess that your life has become. Call. Call. 
Don't stop calling. Well, I prayed about this for two weeks. Pray for it until it happens. Pray, 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 pray. One of, the, one of my favorite stories I tell is about a guy named Blas. He's a heavy drinker, heavy drinker. And all of a sudden, he found Jesus, stopped drinking. God took away that habit, but his kidneys were shot. He had to have a kidney transplant. He had to go to get, you know, his blood uh, dialysis three times a week. And he's like a 62, 60, 60 plus person, years. And they told him, you have two problems, Blas. Number one, you're old. And number two, the type of blood that you have is very rare. So uh, you're probably going to die from this. This is what the doctor said. Very encouraging doctor, right? Great bedside manner. It's like, awesome. <laughs> Thank you, doc. But Blas called. Every time we had anointing, he would come up for the anointing. Every time we had a worship service and we asked for prayer requests, his first, first hand that went up was Blas. He, he hadn't gone to school. He, he just made food and sold it with his wife, his very humble couple. But man, he called. He called and called and called. And I was his pastor for five years. Every, imagine, every Wednesday night when we have prayer meeting, and somebody will say, okay, what prayer request firsthand? You know what I'm praying? I'm, I want a transplant. Meanwhile, he was going to dialysis three times a week. One day, I remember that he sat on the left in the back. There was a, a lady that sat close to him and said to him, Blast. She was a, she's an, an older lady. What wasn't married? I don't know if that affected. Because I've seen people who are not married and very happy. But I don't know if this affected her or what. But she was very sour about what had happened in that relationship. So she wanted to make everybody else's life sour as well. And she told them, "You're making a ridicule out of yourself. Why do you go to the front? We already know what your request is. Stop praying." Resign yourself to this life. This is going to be you. You're probably going to die from this. God already knows. Stop praying. And he came to me and said, Pastor Roger, I don't know if I should keep praying because she told me to stop going to the front. To stop praying about this. The God already knows that I'm probably going to die for this. Should I stop? I just feel that maybe I'm making the wrong decision. I said, don't listen to her. Continue to pray. She's not the one to answer your prayers. God is. So you should not listen to criticism from people you would never go to for advice. He kept coming. One Friday afternoon, they called me. Are you Pastor Roger? Yes. Is uh, Blas Rubio a member of your church? Yes. Well, he doesn't speak English, so he put in his form to call you. We just want to inform you that there's been an accident on the Beltway. Somebody has died who's an organ donor who has the same blood type as Blas. And we have a kidney for him. He has to come to the hospital immediately. 
That phone call was at 4 in the afternoon. By 8 p.m., he was under the knife. By 12, he was back in his room. By 8 in the morning the next day, he was already going to the bathroom. Now he has a kidney. When you go to that church, you will see Blas Rubio sitting in the back, praising God with his new kidney, and the lady next to him still not married. Because <laughs> this is what happens. When we live in the pit, we want other people to live in the pit with us. And we believe that we're wasting our time by calling on God. I have to trust that God's timing is perfect. I am never going to stop praying for people in my life that I want to see come to Jesus. Doesn't matter how old I am, I'm going to be 89.3 years old and I'm going to still pray for those people. I have brothers in my own family who have not come to Jesus. I'm praying because I love my brothers and I want to see them in heaven. Until my last breath, I will pray for, pray for my family members. My job is not to decide when. My job is to pray to the one who knows when it's going to happen. I call. So, just, just like that Bible story with, that, with Jacob. Hold on. and Say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Call. Number two, calm. This is hard for some of you because you're impatient by nature. Impatient people, raise your hands. You're, you're with me. Yeah, I'm an impatient person. I don't, I, I like, I don't like when people take too long to bring me my food. Like I, it seems that when I'm driving, the lane next to me is always the fastest. Doesn't matter if I'm in a line at the supermarket or, or in an amusement park. It always seems that the other line is moving faster. I don't know why it is. But look at this revolutionary text. Psalm 24, 17. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. First of all, what is going on in this text? These, these two things don't seem to go like with each other. Like spaghetti and rice and beans. It does not go. Too many carbs. This does not go with each other. What do you mean be brave and wait? We don't associate braveness with waiting. We think... Brave is about storming the gates. It's about rushing the enemy. It's about taking hold of your stuff and marching ahead. Just jump out of the airplane. Man, that's brave. Brave is usually associated with you taking some action. But here's this text that turns it around and tells you, sometimes the bravest thing you can do is wait on God. And just say, I'm just... I'm going to move at the speed of God. When God says move, I'm going to run. But when God says wait, I'm going to stay. It's hard for us to do that. Because sometimes when God says move, we stay. And when God says stay, we run. It's weird how that happens. But we try to get ahead of God. And then bad stuff happens. You're like, God, what are you doing? And you get, I, I, I didn't. Sometimes we blame the devil. It's like, the devil's the devil did this. And the devil's like, what did I do? I didn't say for you to do it. This, this is all, it's all on you, bro. Sometimes we blame the devil for sound, sound system problems in church. It's like, the devil is getting in. The, it's not the devil. 
not the devil. Sometimes, sometimes it's the devil, but sometimes it's just human error. This just happens sometimes. Bad stuff happens in our life, sometimes because of our own decisions. I have to be calm. I have to say, all right, the worst thing I can do, right, I'm in debt. So the worst is I'm digging a hole. The worst thing I can do is continue to dig this hole. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to get out of debt. But it's just, it's going to take a while. Because getting into debt is very easy. Getting out of debt is very hard. It takes time. It's like gaining weight. What's easier, gaining weight or losing weight? <laughs> you want to lose weight? It's like, all, I see all kinds of ideas to lose weight. It's like, you're gonna, you can lose 13 pounds in one week. First of all, don't do those crazy diets. I had this crazy diet that I did 13. They said, you can lose 13 pounds in one week. 10 days, they said. And they said, you mix water with cayenne pepper and maple syrup and, and uh, lemon juice. And you drink that for 10 days straight. Don't eat anything, just drink that. So I was walking around with my gallon of, it looked like pee. I'm walking around with my, with my pee gallon. It's like, what's in there? Weight loss. I lost 10 pounds in 10 days and gained 15 in the next three because there are no easy solutions sometimes to, to hard problems. We want easy solutions to complicated dif uh, problems. That sometimes you just have to wait. It's like, you know, getting out of debt is like, it's like losing weight. Just a pound a week. You, you chip at it and you chip at it. Stop digging. Stop buying stuff you don't need to impress people you don't like. Stop digging. Stop digging. Stop digging. And then little by little, little by little, little by little, little by little, you'll get to where you want to be. Calm. I see people making desperate decisions in their relationships. It's, uh, man, I haven't dated somebody in a year and a half, and I'm just really desperate. So I'm just going to jump at the first train that comes. And that's, that, that train smells really weird, and it's really bad. But you're just desperate to have somebody in your life. Why is it that you think that you need somebody to make you happy? One is a complete number. Just wait on the Lord. doesn't mean you don't talk to people. It doesn't mean you don't make yourself available. But it means you don't rush into things God has never said for you to rush into. Call, calm, and then the last one. Once you get out, we walk. I want to know the C for this one, but I don't. So if you have a C word for this walk thing, just in Spanish, it works because it's camina, but in English, it's walk. Crazy language. Walk. Once you call on the Lord, it's like, God, I'm just going to lift this. I'm lifting this prayer up. This is an area of my life that I need you to get me out of this pit. And, and then you, you chill as you pray. You chill. Then when God brings you out, you walk. You get as far away from the pit. This is where the action comes in. Right? What steps am I going to take so as to not get into the same pit again? Because the problem is some people get out of the pit and they hang around the pit. And they're like, what's up, pit dwellers? Anything all right down there? What? You eating what? Let me smell it. And all of a sudden, whoop, you're in the pit again. That you know there are some relationships in your life that are toxic. You need to move away as far away from them as possible. It's not like, yeah, 
You know what? One of the worst texts you could ever send? Are you up? Long time no text. What's going on with you? Stalking somebody on social media? Sometimes you just got to walk away. So what are the steps that brought me in that hole? I want to walk as far away from that as possible. I don't want to get as close as I can to the pit without falling out. It's like, hey, what's going on? See, see, I'm, I'm not there. Because you're walking away from it. It's going to be inspirational to the ones who are already in there to walk away from it too when God brings them out. Deuteronomy 1.6. Then we, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. It is time to move on. It is time to move on. Say that with me. It is time to move on. I don't know who's, who's that for, but some of you have just been holding on to something or someone. And God has said, all right, it is time to move on. On And that is hard to do because we often prefer the dysfunction we know rather than the healing we don't. And we think that pit dwelling is normal because that's all we know. I am here to tell you there is a better story that needs to be written about your life. But it involves moving on. And until you do that, you're not going to be able to enjoy the, love, the life God has for you. Listen. Live like what you already are. This is my last story. Before we have a baptism with Tara. This is my last story. 1967, I was born. 1971, my parents immigrated from Cuba. By the way, pray for our countries. Really... It's, I think it's at the brink. We might see some changes happen. 62 years, nobody's ever protested in the streets, and now they're doing it. So pray for my country. My country of origin, but this, this is my country now. 71, we left Cuba. We came to the United States, and my parents became U.S. citizens. And they gave me, and I still have it, a card that said permanent resident. There's a difference between permanent resident and citizen. Citizen, you get, a, you get a passport. You get all the privileges of being an, an American citizen. Permanent resident means that you live here, but we'll see. So I had this card of permanent resident, which did not allow me to travel to different places. For example, they invited me to do an evangelistic series in Mexico. And I could not go because I had to use a Cuban passport. And for some reason, people didn't like that bearded guy from Cuba, so I could not go to Mexico. I had invitations to go to Africa. I had an invitation to go to the Dominican Republic to a place called Punta Cana which is like a very touristy place. It said, you come and you're going to preach for a week and then you can stay three days in this resort. And I was like, what? Amazing. And then I went to get my paperwork done and it was like, eh, sorry, you're Cuban. So instead of Punta Cana, I took my wife to Wendy's. 
it's, it's, it's almost the same, like very similar. It's a very similar experience. Went to Wendy's. Instead of Punta Cana, like all you can eat, Wendy baked potatoes. You, you can have all you want, Kathy, just go crazy. My brother, who's in the Marines, said, same experience as me. Came to, to North America, had his permanent resident car. He said, I'm going to fix my, my status because I'm in the Marines. I need to be a citizen. So he paid $1,500 to an attorney to fill all the paperwork and submit it. He had all his stuff ready, went to the last interview where they were going to give him a passport and stamp it. And when he got to the last interview, after going through six months of paperwork and paying $1,500, he got to the last interview. And this, this lady that had an interview with him says, I cannot sign your paperwork. And he's like, what? He's like, I'm serving this country. I am in the Marines. I've gone. He had gone to war by that time. One time. He's like, I've been on deployment. I, like, what do you mean you cannot sign my paperwork? What's wrong with it? We submitted it. We paid for it. We looked and looked and looked again. And it was checked. What is wrong with my paperwork? And she says something very profound. She said, I cannot make you something you already are. There is this law that when your parents become citizens and you are under 18, you also become a citizen because of the decision that your parents made. So we, my brother and I, we were citizens. But my parents had to go to the post office and pay money to get our passports. And I don't know if you, if you have this type of parents. My parents are very hard to let go of their cash. So they just decided to give us this card that the government gave them and never tell us. They forgot a very key point of information, which is tell us, listen, you are a citizen. Enjoy America. They're like, you're a permanent resident. And this is the card that the government gave you. So you go, go live your life. We're going to enjoy. We can travel anywhere, but your life is not going to be as good as ours. There you go. We saved $25. Go ahead. That phrase stuck with me. I cannot make you what you already are. I am wondering how many of us have paid a price because we don't know who we are. You're acting like you're God's cousin, long lost friend versus the son, the Bible. And the daughter, the Bible says that we are children of God. Do you think Michael Jordan's kids wake up every day thinking, I wonder what I'm going to eat today. Where is money going to come from? Do you think that Bezos from Amazon wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh my goodness, am I going to have enough money for to go to IHOP today or Wendy's? I mean, you know who you are. 
So when God says, I'm going to bring you out, I'm going to bring you out because you are my son and you are my daughter. That's why today we're going to celebrate the fact that we can come out of the hole, out of this pit, because Jesus went into one for us. He was buried. He died. So our worst day is never our last day. We can walk. We can move. We can get away from our past. We don't have to define by our worst moments. We can move away and have a better life. And that's why today I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Matt to come to the front. And we're going to have a fantastic baptism. And after the baptism, we're going to sing a song together and celebrate God's goodness and mercy. Now, let me tell you, tonight we're going to have five more. And I'm hoping all of us that are here today will come tonight to celebrate this momentous occasion. Imagine how good somebody's going to feel tonight when they see all of you. And tonight we're going to talk about, it's going to be a really hilarious uh, segment. We're going to talk about relationships and really enjoy ourselves and see this baptism. So tonight uh, we're going to have five more. But this morning, this is going to be like, like our first fruits. So pastor, why don't you take it over and talk a little bit about Tara, her decision. And we're, after she goes down in the water, as she comes up, let's just make as much noise as we can before we sing this song. 